You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Lozen is my right hand, Victorio once said of his sister. Strong as a man, braver than most, and cunning in strategy. She is a shield to her people. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. How are you? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Have you been drinking your water? Getting good rest? Did anyone tell you that they love you today? If not, I'm here to tell you that. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you for tuning in today for such an amazing story about an amazing woman. This is the first episode in our new series, Warrior Women, and we're really starting off with a bang. Our warrior woman for today is Lo Zen. Our story today is not the happiest one, but one that needs to be told. And we're going to learn together. I got you. You know that. So get a nice hot beverage, a good blankie, or settle into your commute, and let's get to it. Before we officially get started with this episode, I want to make some knit land acknowledgements and tell you a little bit about the Chiwikawa Apache, the group Lozen was from. Before colonial contact, there were seven Apache groups all over the lands that are now referred to as Oklahoma and New Mexico. The group that Lozen was a member of was called the Chiwikawa Apaches, a name given to them by the Spanish. They had a territory of 15 million acres, or 61,000 square kilometers, in southwestern New Mexico, southeastern Arizona, and the northern Sonora, and northern Mexico. They have a rich oral tradition and the belief that everyone has a power that manifests itself in that person's ability to contribute to the group or the tribe, which will become very important in our story later on. The Chiricahua are also known as the Eastern Chiricahua or the Red Paint People, were recognized by the red band of clay that they wore across their faces during ceremonies. Traditionally, the Apache were nomads, explains Joey Padilla, a medicine man and museum curator at the Mascalero Apache Reservation in New Mexico. We never stayed in one place, he says. A lot of Apache traditions and culture are kept very secretive, and for good reason. With cultural suppression laws, residential schools, and other atrocities they have faced, it's no wonder why. 
And a quick reminder, I will be speaking in the past tense for our story today, but in no way does that mean the Chiricahua Apache are gone. They are still very much here. Today, the Chiricahua are enrolled in three federally recognized tribes in the United States. The Fort Sill Apache Tribe, located near Apache, Oklahoma, with a small reservation outside of Deming, New Mexico. The Mascalero Apache Tribe of the Mascalero Reservation in New Mexico. And the San Carlos Apache Tribe in Southern Arizona. If you'd like more information about the Chiricahua Apache, I'll be leaving a link to their website in the show notes. And because this month is Indigenous Peoples Month in the United States, I'll be leaving links to information and ways to help systematic racism facing Indigenous people today. And now, on to our story. The year is 1840, and the U.S. government has been encroaching on the Apache territory and that of other Indigenous nations, leaving destruction and death in their wake. This was also the year our heroine, Lozen, was born. Lozen is actually a nickname, which means dexterous horse thief. We're not actually sure what her name was when she was born, but it's a fitting name nonetheless, and you'll see why soon. Not long after Lozen was born, New Mexico became a territory of the United States under the Treaty of Hildalgo. That same year, 1848, A California gold rush brought tons of miners through Apache land. Around that time as well, the Mexican government put a bounty on Apache scalps in an attempt to exterminate them in order to steal their land. And a series of armed conflicts, later known as the Apache War between the United States Army and various Apache nations, started up the next year and didn't stop until 1886. As you can imagine... Because of all this conflict and colonization, the Apache were forced to fight back. This was the world Lozen was born into. Not much is known about Lozen's childhood in the world of academia. Her full story may be in the minds of her descendants, but we don't know all that much about Lozen's early life. But what we do know is that Lozen showed a voracious appetite for learning and strategizing. Not to mention her horse riding and fighting abilities, both physical and supernatural. What we do know is that she was born and grew up near a spring called Ojo Caliente, which is now known um, as the state of southern New Mexico. In the part of the state that is now southern New Mexico. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. (laughs) In today's terms, she was also known as a two-spirit person, which is a word used for non-binary indigenous and LGBTQIA plus individuals. Gender was much more fluid in the Apache community during this time. Gender roles were very straightforward, but not inflexible. There are gender practices in the Apache culture, but they're not restrictive. One of these practices is a coming-of-age ceremony. The Apache people have been practicing coming-age ceremonies for as long as can be remembered. Even today, the Chiricahua Apache hold coming-of-age ceremonies for girls every year. It's a 12-day long gathering with a large focus being on a dance where the young women dress as the goddess White Painted Woman. 
a ton more goes into the ceremony, and I'll leave a link to that, uh, a video about it that shows the ceremony in detail. So please look for that in the show notes. When Lozen was 12, she also had her own coming-of-age ceremony. According to oral history, during these 12 days, Lozen was greeted by the god Usen and gifted the ability to know where the tribe's enemies were and what direction they were coming from. Harlan Geronimo, the great-grandson of Chief Geronimo, said that Lozen would lift her hands and walk in a circle until the veins in her arms turned dark blue and they tingled, indicating the direction from which the enemy was approaching. This skill would make her an invaluable member of the Apache War Council later on. As the years went on, she became an amazing shaman, healer, and warrior. Because of this ridiculous idea of Manifest Destiny, where the U.S. government thought that God told them it was their duty to conquer all of the United States, that they just had to move west, God said, God said so, we gotta do it. So dumb. So stupid. So the U.S. government had been doing its best to take not only Apache lands, but all lands from indigenous people and making life as unlivable as possible and committing countless atrocities against Native people was kind of like their modus operandi. It was their thing. At this point in history, the Apache population was a fraction of what it was pre-European contact. In a last-ditch effort to secure what little land and livelihood they had left, a few bands of Apache warriors decided to fight against the U.S. government, in what is now known as the Apache Wars, between 1849 and 1886. The major Apache leaders that we always hear about are Chief Victorio and Geronimo, but our warrior woman Lozen is hardly ever talked about. Headlines across the nation had Victorio and Geronimo's name plastered on the front. Everyone knew their names, but Lozen... Absolutely not. Because, of course, it was the 1800s, and she had the absolute audacity to be a woman, and an indigenous woman at that. So she was basically non-existent in the eyes of the government and the media. But thankfully, this incredible story is saved because of the oral traditions of the Apache people. Her story was preserved, and that is why we know about her today. Lozen was involved in raids, battles, recon missions, but scouting, scouting was her strong suit. And stealing things. This is a little bit of an aside, a little side tangent. You know how much I love those. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but I have to tell you about this right now. There was one time when Lozen stole four horses, a bunch of weapons, and food, and clothes, all without the cavalry, the American cavalry, realizing anything. It was amazing. How do you how do you sell four horses without anybody noticing? She she truly lived up to her name, truly. <laughs> but I digress. In 1889, after years and years of 
back and forth with the U.S. government, the Apache leaders, including Chief Victorio and Lozen herself, held a meeting to establish a reservation at Ojo Caliente. And another aside, I'm sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent. Lozen was 20 years younger than all of these very prominent men. She was like a young girl when all of this was going down. So just a little bit of extra spicy badassery sprinkled sprinkled onto her. Anyways, okay, <laughs> let's move on. So all of the Apache leaders, including Chief Victorio and Lozen, held a meeting to establish a reservation at Ojo Caliente. Lozen's brother wanted peace above everything else. He wanted the fighting and the killing to stop. And at this meeting, they all agreed, and Victorio made the decision so the U.S. would leave them alone. He decided to give almost all of the land to the United States government. The government, in exchange, would then give the Apache Ojo Caliente and never bother them again. That was what the treaty called for. Victorio just wanted his people to live there and be free. And in 1874, it was made into law by Ulysses S. Grant. He signed it. He signed the paper and everything. I assume he read the part about leaving them alone in Ojo Caliente and just letting them live their life. But surprise, motherfucking surprise, just two years later, Mr. Fuckboy Grant sends people up to Ojo Caliente and they raid the reservation. Most of the warriors, including Lozen, were not on the reservation at that time. I'm not sure why, but they just weren't. So it was basically women and children. They were the only ones on the reservation at the time. But when the warriors heard the raid going on, Lozen was the first to race to the aid of her people. She swooped in and did her best to save as many people as she could. Her nephew was caught in the chaos of the raid, and without hesitation, she rode up into the gunfire and rescued the boy, scooping him up onto her horse as she rode by and escaping safely, the both of them. Shortly after this raid, Geronimo was arrested by the government under false pretenses of peace talks. They invited him to a U.S. government military outpost. And they were like, hey, let's like let's talk some peace. And Geronimo's like, yes, that's all I want. I just want some peace. And then they friggin' they arrested him. They arrested him. <laughs> and the remaining Apache were moved to a place named Hell's 40 Acres. And you can imagine, dear one, what kind of place this was. Hell's 40 Acres. There's no natural water resources. There was no shelter. There was no resources of any kind. They couldn't hunt. They couldn't fish. They, could, they couldn't do sh- jack squat. Nothing. Basically, the government put them there to die. But after four months... Victorio, Lozen, and other warriors simply could not watch their people suffer like that anymore. And they decided to lead a mass escape. 
The cavalry was soon in hot pursuit, however, but thanks to their cunning and knowledge of the land, the Apache were nearly impossible to capture. Remember when I told you that Lozen was a master thief? Well, during this time, she was just stealing essentials out of cavalry units left and right. It was incredible. The Chiricahua Apache escaped that Hell's 40 Acres with nothing. They had nothing. So they had to just live off the land and live off of what Lozen and the other warriors could steal. And absolutely no one could steal a horse and some other stuff like Lozen could. And also during this time, she was using her power to figure out where the cavalry was and when they were coming. They finally reached home in Ojo Caliente, and Victorio made one more attempt at peace, willingly giving himself over to the government. But they were like, fuck you, go back to the hell's 40 acres. And they arrested him. And the Chiricahua Apache, they didn't want war. Victorio and Lozen were released and allowed to take their people back to Hell's 40 Acres. The cavalry followed them all along the way, kind of trailing behind them. And the two of them would often yell down to the soldiers stalking them on the way back to just leave them alone, that they didn't want to fight. But the soldiers were relentless, and Victorio and Lozen realized they had no choice but to make one last attempt and go to war in 1879. Lozen was a mastermind during these battles and basically led the entire campaign of guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare is like where you pop out of places, you use the surround. This is, this is a very not, I'm, I'm not a war historian, but this is my understanding of guerrilla warfare. You pop out of places, you use the land to your advantage. You don't line up like the British and just like shoot people or whatever. You use the land and you pop out of places. That's, that's my definition of guerrilla warfare. And they were really, really freaking good at it. They were so good at it that they evaded capture for months and months and months. And basically had the cavalry, and basically had the cavalry just scared shitless. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what the fuck to do. But unfortunately, their efforts would fail. Victorio was killed in battle. Lozen was understandably devastated. And in 1882, she would join Geronimo's band, but they also met the same fate. They did their best. They fought till the end. But in the end, Geronimo decided to surrender in 1886 to ensure the safety of his remaining followers. Geronimo and several other warriors, including Lozen, were imprisoned and sent to Florida. There is one surviving image of this group of warriors right before they were put on a train and sent to Florida. Lozen would never fight again, and she later died in Alabama at the age of 50 from tuberculosis. But her relatives made it back west. Because of her sacrifice and the sacrifice of the other Chiricahua Apache, their people live on Despite the attempts of the U.S. government's deranged manifest destiny, their stories live on, their traditions live on, 
and their descendants live on. As always, my dear friend, I don't want to leave you feeling hopeless because this is not a hopeless story. Lozen's story is one that is actually filled with a lot of hope. So I have two final thoughts for you today. The first one is amazing, so let's get to it. At one point, Lozen was left by the warriors to help a young pregnant woman cross the Chihuahan Desert of Mexico to get back to her family on the Apache Reservation. This woman was pregnant, about to burst at any moment, and Lozen only had a single rifle, a single cartridge belt, a knife, and a three-day supply of food. But she had to travel way more than three days. And this lady, I cannot stress to you enough that this woman was about to pop. And she did. She did. On their way back to the reservation, this woman, this woman had her baby. So Lozen had to evade capture from the Calvary, birth this woman's baby, keep them both safe, keep them fed. She killed and butchered a long whore cat, a long whore? <laughs> A longhorn cow captured two horses for their journey and kept them safe. The woman and her baby were safely returned to the reservation unharmed and totally fine. How amazing is that? That story is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it is a fantastic story that shows the resilience of the Apache people. They live on and they are thriving despite the government's attempts to kill indigenous culture and people. Lozen fought for her people and we can help continue that fight, which brings us to our final, final thought today. And I want to give you some ways that you can help indigenous communities every day. Number one, you can donate to indigenous organizations that provide support for residential school survivors. If you don't know about residential school survivors, please Google it. There are amazing podcasts that have great information. Uh, hashtag History has a really good one. It's fantastic. It's on Canadian residential schools, but I still highly recommend it. Number two, you can educate yourself on residential schools. I forgot that that was my second point. And the ongoing impacts of residential schools. There are people still alive today that are victims of residential schools. Number two, you can support indigenous artists, authors, and small business owners. This is probably one of the best ways to directly help indigenous communities. And lastly, you can listen to the stories of indigenous peoples and provide an open and safe space for them. Talk to your friends, talk to your loved ones, talk to everybody about it. And don't forget, we are learning and unlearning things every day. Thank you so much for joining me today, my dear friend. It's always a joy to have you tune in. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want to help other people find For the Love of History, please leave a rating and a review or tell your friend about your favorite episode. You can donate to the podcast on Patreon, Linktree, or Podbean. Your contributions go directly back to the podcast to help me make the best possible episodes for you. Links to everything are in the show notes. And that that's all I have for you, my curious little cat. It was kind of a short one this week, but I hope... I hope you learned some things. I learned some things during this research. And I know it can be kind of overwhelming, but it's important that we talk about these things. So take good care of yourself this week. Take some time to do something that makes you happy. And as always, don't forget to drink your water, you dehydrated little genius you. And with that, I will see you on December 10th when we talk about the real lives of Viking women. Bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>